AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. It's Wednesday, January 5th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. Omicron has definitely thrown a wrench into back-to-school plans for students, as many districts shifted last minute to remote learning after the holiday break. For parents, the constant changes have left them frustrated, trying to adjust to evolving plans and confused on what to do. The students aren't faring better either. Maggie Astor, reporter at the New York Times, joins us for more. Thanks for joining us, Maggie. Thanks for having me. Wanted to check in on what's going on with schools right now. We've been talking a lot about schools recently, uh, you know, an uptick in violence and uh, how to deal with these disciplinary actions need to be taken. But beyond that, even just getting back to school has been a big problem. Uh, A lot of plans were in place for returning to school after the holiday break. A lot of them got changed last minute. Some of the big school districts like in New York, they're still going to in-person classes, but a lot of other school districts around the country have responded to what's going on with the Omicron variant and how transmissible it is and have gone back to remote learning for maybe a few days, a week or so. Everything's changed. So there at the New York Times, you guys wanted to talk to parents to see how they were dealing with all of this. And, you know, just the way you put in the article, it, a lot of it boils down to not too well. And, and you heard mostly from mothers. So, Maggie, tell us what's going on with this. Really, we have a big mishmash of different policies at schools across the country, oftentimes even within the same family. If you have children of different ages at different schools, you might have one child whose school is in person, one child whose school is remote, you know, one child whose school is doing a hybrid arrangement where you can choose or they're remote part of the week and not the other. So just keeping up with what the policies are can be very difficult and stressful for parents. And then, of course, the stress of dealing with these changes at the last minute. Parents who work and don't have easy access to child care suddenly having their children be home when they fully expected them to be in person, you know, or parents who are having to make tough decisions with kids who might have underlying health conditions, um, who might be high risk or have high risk family members and their school is in person and the parents are agonizing over, well, do I send them in? There's no remote option. Should I just keep them out of school entirely for a week? What do I do? And it's just a situation where in most cases there aren't any ideal answers and parents are having to figure out what to do among You know, they have to figure out what the least worst option is. And they've been doing that for two years and they're exhausted. Yeah, definitely. And you're right. You know, there's parents on both sides of it, parents that want their kids to be learning in person, parents that want to keep their kids learning remote for fear of them getting coronavirus, spreading it to the family members. One of the things that struck me in the article, too, is that many parents said 
you know, when it comes to procedures to be safe, masking, all that stuff, many parents didn't trust other members of their communities to take these precautions. And that adds to that frustration. Uh, you know, you can send your kid to school with a mask and tell them to be safe, but you don't trust that other people are doing that same thing with their kids. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I think that's sort of a microcosm of what um, we've been seeing in many areas throughout the pandemic with a lot of bitterness and resentment where people think, you know, I'm doing everything right. And other people, people who aren't wearing masks, people who aren't getting vaccinated, this anger at people who aren't doing enough when you're doing so much. That is definitely present here. There was uh, one woman whose quote stuck with me, a, uh, a New Yorker. She has a five-year-old daughter. Her daughter's school is operating in person, as, as public schools in New York City are. And she had to decide whether to send her daughter in. And she ultimately did. But she's terrified because the family lost a grandmother and almost a grandfather, too, to COVID in April 2020. So they've seen very personally how the disease can strike. And she said to me, quote, that's the hardest part for me, knowing how badly it can go, how mysteriously this virus can affect people and feeling like I have to send her out to take her chances with it. Yeah, that, that's got to be one of the most confusing parts of it, too, because you know, not everybody has been touched by the virus in the same way, obviously. And when you talk about that, right, this that mother had uh, somebody in their family get severely ill and pass and all that. But, you know, by and large, kids don't get affected in the same way. I know a lot of them have some underlying health conditions, but uh, it doesn't affect kids the same way. So a lot of people make that argument saying, you know, it's the safest place for kids to be in school. This is just to illustrate how difficult the conversation is and how frustrated to your point in this article, right? How frustrated parents are with so many changing guidelines. Yeah, and absolutely. And certainly the evidence is clear that the risk to children is on average much lower. But of course, parents are looking at this and even if their child doesn't have underlying conditions, they're looking at this and saying, well, much lower risk doesn't mean low risk. And, you know, how much am I willing to tolerate? How does Omicron change the calculus? Because there has been somewhat of an increase in pediatric hospitalizations lately, even though the odds are still much lower than for older people. And there's just a lot of uncertainty. People feel like maybe once they sort of had a grip on what the risk calculus was and now Omicron's changing it, or they understand that in their personal circumstances, the risk is very low, but right. they've seen so much death and so much horror around them for so long that it's just really difficult to believe that it's safe. And really the, the uncertainty is what a lot of them expressed most of all, whether they were scared of sending their kids to school or whether they really wanted to send their kids to school and they were angry that the school was going remote when they felt it wasn't justified. There's just none of them were happy, regardless <laughs> yeah. of what their school was right. doing, because there are no good situations and, here. And it's tough for the parents, as we've been talking about, the students themselves, obviously, the teachers. Uh, it really is a problem all around. And, and just to think that any time we're getting back to normal and then the disruptions happen repeatedly, because of the pandemic. It's just a frustrating thing here. So we'll keep an eye out and see how these uh, return to school plans work after, you know, some of these school districts have already called it off for a few days. Maggie Astor, reporter at the New York Times. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.
I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a Day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.